Well, Father Jonathan, we're almost to Easter. Here we are. Easter's is, almost here. Is this the Pink Sunday? I think it is. We've got a rejoice in our opening antiphon. Okay. Well, there so, you go. So I'm presuming that that's what that means. Yeah. So uh, happy, what is it, Laetari Sunday this time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. I think someone uh, finally corrected me and said Laetari for Lent uh-huh. and Gaudete for Advent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the L's go together. Or or they said that they don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't remember. It's like when someone tells you like, you know, a little trick and you're like, wait, was it that way or was it the opposite way? Never know. Never know. Just learn the uh, thing. But, so, yeah, this will be uh, my second time wearing uh, pink, which will be great. You're actually going to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Well, some churches don't even have it. Oh, we have multiple sets here. We have like three <laughs> sets of pink. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. We also have a matching set of Dalmatics for the for the liturgy. Yeah, it's great. I really like um, that you guys have a deacon. Yeah, me too. Me too. He doesn't come to all of the masses because he's actually not the deacon of this parish. He kind of splits <laughs> time between two parishes. And so he comes here uh, for for a couple of the masses on Sundays. Yeah. So sometimes I have him. And so like on the big liturgies, he's certainly there, you know, on the Easter's and the mm-hmm. Christmases. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's one of my favorite things is to celebrate mass with a deacon. It just makes it a little bit less like father's up there doing whatever he needs to do yeah. while we all sit here passively, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, hey, so fourth Sunday of Lent. Uh, before that, hey, third Sunday of Lent. How about that? Today we had some readings of the burning bush and, you know, the Tower of Siloam. Any uh, residual feedback from last week? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you celebrate Mass or go to Mass today with the uh, readings we talked about, or did you go to Mass with the other one? I went incognito today to a Dominican church. Um, here in the city. Nice. And it was for the scrutiny. So I got to hear the long uh, account of the woman uh, caught in adultery. Yeah. Is that right? No, the woman at the well. Woman at the well. There we are. Which is an awesome, awesome chapter of John. Like, that's a really cool story. And it's also a very powerful story. It's just way too long for the mass. Like, it's just so long. Yeah. And like, I feel that way about this upcoming four Sunday too. Like we had this very long gospel from Luke, um, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, for all, all intents and purposes is probably a good indication that we should preach shorter if the gospel yeah. is so long, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to uh, speak ill of our brother priests, but this was a 10 minute homily that I, that I was at and it was fine. It fit. He was preaching to the elect, which was really neat. Um, but yeah, yeah, ten minutes yeah, after enough. after a super long gospel, it's like yeah, bro. <laughs> I I remember there was a there was a a Good Friday service that I think you and I went to together once. That after the reading of our Lord's Passion, which itself is like a marathon, the priest preached for about fifteen minutes, Oof. and I was or maybe even longer, like twenty minutes. Like it was just a long homily anyway. But then like right after that, you know, yeah, uh, you'd think that's too long. We always bring um, this up around that time, but I forget one of them you don't have to preach and one of them you do. I don't remember which one is which. Oh, I don't know. I guess we'll find that out pretty soon. You mean like <laughs> one of the days of the Triduum? No, like the uh, our two passion <laughs> days, uh, Palm Sunday oh, and Good Friday. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. That's a good. That's a good reminder, and we'll earmark that for the future. But I think I think that there is a little rubric that says a short homily is preferable, or mm -hmm. something like that. Um. Well, good. Yeah. So today I didn't have the scrutiny readings, and I won't have them for the fourth Sunday either, or the fifth Sunday. But today I had the the Tower of Siloam and the uh the fruit from the tree, and I actually ended up preaching mostly on the first reading, surprisingly, which was the burning bush. Oh yeah. And. uh yeah, so something hit me while I was preparing my homily that it was it was a way of looking at the burning bush in conjunction with what we talked about last week uh, for the transfiguration. It was kind of like the transfiguration again. Like it's almost like the same event, you know, where you mm -hmm. have Moses encountering the brilliance of God's divinity and glory, just like Peter, James, and John did at the transfiguration. So I, I linked those two stories together in my homily and then preached about like one going one step further. And that is that Moses is then called to go back to Egypt after experiencing God's glory. And so like we too experience God's glory every time. And I preach about the Eucharist every time we receive the Eucharist and receive the gospel at mass, like we're receiving God's glory. We're having like, you know, burning bush moments. Every time we go to mass, what do we do when the Lord says now go forth and you know, what kind of, you know, call is the Lord having for us of having those experiences of the transfiguration and of glory. But then, putting our money where our mouth is and letting letting that experience translate into actual good works, you know? Um, so yeah. yeah. So that's what I preached on. And, and I brought it back to Lent. It's like, you know, your experiences of God this Lent, if they're not bearing fruit, and this is where I brought in the, the, the tree from the gospel, if it's not bearing fruit, then can we really even call it Christian? You know, I mean, like, what good is a Christian that doesn't do good works? It's probably not worth much, you know? Um, so yeah, so that was my homily today. I thought it was pretty good. I think it was well received. Yeah, nice. You know, it's it's this is something that I like to talk a, uh, about a lot. You know, it's it's my one homily that I preach over and over again. That, <clears throat> and this is coming from Luke chapter six, but like, I think to your point, you know, we have to look at the fruits that we bear, and as a, like, okay, what am I actually doing, <laughs> and yeah. and being able to judge our actions that way, but at the same time. Jesus isn't calling us just to be good people or to be nice people or to do good things. That's right. That's right. Like this is a good, it's a good litmus test. It's a good indicator if, if you're on the right track, which I think yes. is the importance of that image. Um, it's not the thing itself that you're working towards. It's, it's helping you along the way. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause if you're not bearing good fruit, mm -hmm. then something is something's yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Um, so, hey, jumping into the fourth Sunday, I just wanted to point something out. I don't know if you noticed this, but um, the first reading for the fourth Sunday, uh, like the first reading for the third and the first reading for the second, it's kind of like jumping through history of salvation with different patriarchs. Mm. And I was wondering if there might be something there. And I think I might have mentioned this last year when we were talking about Lent, is that like the first readings are almost paralleling what we'll read at the Easter vigil, like with the history of salvation. Uh -huh. So like two, two weeks ago, we had the call of Abraham last week. We had the call of Moses and now you have Joshua taking control of the people, you know, to take them to the, the promised land. And so there's kind of like the, the jumping through the history of salvation in preparation for the passion um, that we'll see again, repeated for us on Easter vigil, you know, but we're kind of like spreading it out over all of Lent. Hmm. That's really interesting. You know, uh, it's as you're, as you're, I really like that. And as you're talking, it, it makes me think that we're, you know, the, like the beauty and the immense, um, the church knows what the church, what she, she knows what she's doing, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, I think that this is 
is setting the groundwork for that. Like we're, we're seeing how God entrusts leadership to people. Right. Um, you know, we want to, it's a great ecclesiology to look at like, no, this isn't just, you know, we're not, we're not trying to be placeholders and say, oh, well, I'll just stand here because somebody has to do that. But really we need to be letting God do everything. Now that's true in a sense, right? Because God does do everything, but God acts and works through human beings. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we see Mm -hmm. that being played out in these first readings, as you pointed out, uh, leading up to, leading up to Easter, right? Which is the greatest moment of a human who also happens to be God. Okay. um, With this great act of salvation, but also, you know, in a sense, leaving for us (laughs) to carry on. Yeah. So like we're, we're being, we're being taught, we're being fed as this image keeps coming up. And I, I really like how you pointed to the Eucharist in your homily today. Like this is what we're, what we're been given, what we have been given. The Israelites lost their manna, uh, that was given from, from heaven. Uh, yeah. but we've been given something much more real, um, something that will actually fill us. Right. So the, yeah. in a sense, there's like an even greater call to, to action than there was, uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, what do mm-hmm. we do with that sustenance? With that, yeah. with that body filled with um, that truly life-sustaining food, do we right, let it right. um, squander or let? Yeah. Well, anyway. well, hey, no. So take that to the gospel. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's. I think what you're describing is the older brother. Boom. Yeah. Look at that. I didn't like, even think of that. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> like everything that I have, you've already, it's yours. Like, why are you squandering it? You know, like the table has been prepared for you this entire time to feast. You know, you could take the language of the Psalm, like taste and see that the goodness of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And like the older brother is forgetting that all that is the father's is already his, you know, and he's just squandering that. And God has provided the manna in the desert. God has provided, you know, the patriarchs and the prophets to preach the good news, to help us feast on not only the word of God, but his body and blood and how many of us just squander that, you know, that sort of, there's that action call, that, that call to action, you know, for the older brother kind of going along with what you're saying that he's, he's the one that has forgotten what he already has. That's his, that's kind of one of your big homilies too, is that it's like, you already have the thing that you're being deceived <laughs> to not use, you yeah. know, yeah, like, like his pride is keeping him from using that, which was already his in the first place, which is the, the bounty of God's, of God's providence and love, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I've never really um, considered the, the 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 journey that both of the brothers go on, the narrative journey of their self-discovery, if you want to call it that. Um, I'm sure many people have thought long and hard about this, smarter than me. Um, but it's it, there's a similar um, there's a similar struggle that they don't appreciate what their father has given. Yeah. Uh, there's a similar struggle with, with what they've been given. Uh, yeah. There's not, I don't have a complete thought there, but I, that's really strike uh, hitting me today as we're talking. Like I've never considered that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we so we like, want, we want to point to, you know, like the, the younger brother who squandered everything is like, Oh, how terrible, you know, how could somebody do that? Oh, well, in fact, I do that all the time. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Um, 
But I think a lot of the time we're even more like the older brother than we are the younger brother and are struggling yeah. with understanding. Sure. Uh, I, I, but I think it may be it may be helpful to apply the same word that you use squander yeah. to both brothers. You yeah. know, I, I think I think we often use the word squander for the younger brother. And then for the older brother, we say take for granted mm. or whatever. But it's like he's also squandering in <laughs> the, the goodness in front of him, not by using it, but by not using it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so and so he overuses it, the younger brother, and like he squanders it in that way. But you can also squander things by just not using them, you know, like not using what God has given you, the blessings that's got not availing yourself of the sacraments, not like producing good fruit. Like you're you're holding on to these things and not actually putting them to use, which means that you're just squandering them, you know? Um yeah, you need so to I see a real call to action. Mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just the boldness of using all of it all of the time but for god's glory i don't know like i don't know what the the boldness that comes with the the gifts that we've received and to use them boldly not recklessly but Mm -hmm, boldly mm -hmm. um with confidence you know like everything that i have is yours like don't be afraid just live live your life you know and to and to rejoice and taste and see the goodness of god you know um I don't know. I, I like the call to action thing, especially with the Lent, that there's the Lenten themes, you know, is that we've had the call to the desert. We've had the experience of the divinity of God with the burning bush, the transfiguration. But there is that call to action, like go go down Moses back to Egypt and put put this call, you know, to to Pharaoh and also with Peter and James and John to come down the mountain. But also here with the older son, it's like, don't sit on your hands, buddy. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I you know, it's, it's really... F- Interesting. So we get to these these liturgical moments, both here and in Advent, with you know the lighter color. And so the way that we often talk about it is, oh, we're taking a break from all that doom and gloom stuff. Like just just be happy for today, and then we can go back to it tomorrow. And it's like, okay, I don't think that's very helpful to begin with. But but the more that we're talking, the more it's hitting me. It's like, no, wait a second. The whole point of Lent is to is to lay ourselves bare to strip away everything as far as we can that separates us from the Lord to see to see what's really there what's really moving when we when we pull back the curtain a little bit yeah yeah now absolutely. that we're now that we're a couple of weeks in we should be we should be hopefully um, a little at least making let's even go with baby steps like <laughs> you know like as if is what am I trying to say? If you're moving forward, like that's something to rejoice in, and so yep. I think that may be what we're what we should be, how we should be thinking of the of these, of these rejoicing moments, of these joyful moments. As like, no, there's there's grace happening. I'm not there yeah. yet. We're not there yet. We've still got weeks until Easter, but we need to be able to see, uh, 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 how yeah, how that reordering of our of our squanderedness um of that encounter yeah. of being changed by the sure, lord and that's sure. the language that saint paul uses in the second reading whoever is in sure. christ is a new creation yeah it's like okay that's something huge for yeah. for our sake he was made sin so that we might become the righteousness of god in him it's like there's something huge at work uh and we ignore it <laughs> yeah yeah you know, uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the line in the second reading of becoming ambassadors for Christ, um, that it's 
like what we have received, we do not squander. We become ambassadors for the one who has reconciled us to God by working the ministry of reconciliation, um, by being his ambassadors. And what I'm thinking about is actually, this is the first time I ever thought about this, but, uh, so in Luke 15, we have, sorry, in Luke, what is it? 14 what we're in? Yeah. Luke 15, sorry. Uh, with the, um, the, the parable of the two sons. Uh, but it's also in Luke that we have at the end of his gospel with the road to Emmaus. And mm -hmm. just kind of thinking about maybe the parallel there a little bit, not explicitly with the two sons or anything, but just thinking about those two disciples that are going basically away, sad, away from Jerusalem, like squandering everything that they'd mm -hmm. actually received from Jesus. Like Jesus gave them everything and also gave them his spirit and the apostles, like all that is happening and, you know, his teachings and everything and they're squandering it by not putting it into practice. Mm -hmm. And, and it's beautiful because by the end of that journey to Emmaus, uh, uh, on the road to Emmaus, they turn around and become ambassadors for Christ with that encounter that they have with Jesus and the breaking of the bread, you know, and then they realize their eyes are open, their hearts are set aflame. They run back to Jerusalem to work that ministry of reconciliation that they've received, you know? Um, so it's kind of a beautiful thing because you see in Emmaus, what we don't see at the end of this gospel is the conversion of the older brother. Hmm. Like you don't, hmm. you don't see the older brother's conversion here, but at the road to Emmaus, you do. You know, where you see the person who has squandered by for lack of for lack of putting into practice, you see his heart finally set aflame to run back um, because the words at the end of this gospel uh, is just the words of the father, you know, and the son. We don't know how he's going to react. And the hope is that his heart will be set aflame where he can become an ambassador for Christ. You know, yeah, I, I really like that connecting those uh, those two gospel accounts. Hmm. Uh, and, you yeah. know, it, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning for this past week's readings with the tree that doesn't bear good fruit. It's like, okay, well, um, you know, it's not just about being a good steward, like doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, it's about that encounter, that right. running back, <laughs> yeah, uh, that yeah. being changed in Christ to a new creation. Sure, sure. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, here's, here's one, uh, just pivoting to a different, uh, reading of some of this stuff, uh, for the sake of a different perspective. I think that the second reading does offer the language of reconciliation. Um, and this gospel from Luke 15 is a really classic mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. for the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, and so this could be a time also of exhortation to the sacrament of confession, um, in, in a homily, you know, of working the ministry of reconciliation requires us first being reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even just on that very narrative level of the gospel of the two sons, like exhorting people to confession. Um, and I gotta say, one of the things that's come up a lot in confession as a priest that I've, I've mentioned to people, uh, in the sacrament, which I, I kind of use as one of my go-to words of counsel is that, I cite this gospel often and I say, what I love about this gospel is that when the, the, the prodigal son comes home, the one thing that the father exactly does not do is ask him what he did. Mm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it's, the, it's the one thing that the father could really care less about in this story, at least, you know, that the story doesn't have the father say like, hold on a second, wait at the entrance. Like I have a list here of the things you're being accused of is like, you know, give me an account. And so I just find that it's a really beautiful way of exhorting people in the sacrament of confession to say like, hey, you've done good. You've done good. You've confessed <laughs> your sins. And you know what? Like, we're not going to pass through the list here. We don't need to. Like, God receives you, loves you, welcome home. You know, I just, I find that this is a very beautiful open way of saying that like, you've done your duty and you've confessed your sins. 
the father isn't asking you to accuse yourself of anything more, you know? Um, anyway, so that might be an exhortation still further to finally reconciling ourselves back to God if we've been away. Yeah, I like that. I mean, there's that line right in the gospel, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer to be, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Like that's the act of confession. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And the father's like, awesome. Let's go inside. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. Cool, man. Any parting thoughts? Uh, nope. Just go pray. All right, buddy. Till next time.